From global design practice Hassle, this is Hassle Talks, a podcast series looking at a changing and complex world and the opportunities for design to create a better place for everyone. It's a series that is unashamedly optimistic about creating a beautiful, inclusive and resilient future. I'm Peter Dean, Design Principal at Hassle, and I'm recording this on Wajuk Country, the land of the Noongar Nation in the city known as Perth, Western Australia. As is our practice, I offer and pay my respects to the Wajuk elders, past and present, to the knowledge and ongoing custodianship of this land, and the lessons they and other First Nations people across Australia and the world share. For a long time, Hassel have been thinking a lot about what happens when people come together, whether it's through designing for memorable experiences in our cities, the latest thinking on bringing people back to workplaces, creating diverse and resilient communities through housing, and even how to make women and girls feel safer in public spaces. To bring people together well, to be able to create places that include, inspire and support people, we need to reflect on our past. How have we designed places people love? Where have we got it right? But more importantly, where could we improve on things? And that includes how we have worked with First Nations people on our projects. You're about to listen to an edited recording of a conversation we held with some of our First Nations collaborators, Western Australian government representatives, clients, and our key designers. We brought this group of people together as part of our reflection and learning stage of our Reconciliation Action Plan, or RAP. And there's some links and other information in the show notes about what a RAP is, as well as other terms used in this episode. The dialogue proved to be incredibly rich and broad-ranging, and we wanted to share parts of it with you, our listeners. We know there is so much to learn and act upon to create better outcomes for First Nations people and culture, so we can continue to walk together. I'll now hand over to my colleague, Peter Lee, who opened the conversation, and Nungar Elder, Dr. Richard Wally, for a welcome to country. I hope you enjoyed the episode. My name's Peter Lee, I'm a, a principal at Hassel. Um, I want to acknowledge the Wajuk people of the Noongar Nation, whose land we meet today, and pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging, and thank them for their stewardship of the lands, the seas, and for the rich culture of art, song, dance, language and stories. Hassel's developing a reconciliation plan, and we want our rap to be both meaningful and practical. And we want to hear from you about things that we're doing well, what we can do better, and if we're missing any vital pieces of the puzzle. I believe that our consultation process has become second nature with most of our people, and it has had a wonderful effect on the quality and intelligence of our work. However, as with most things, we have much to learn and a long way to go to truly partner with our Aboriginal friends. Please be very honest in your comments to us today. We can really only learn if you're as open as possible, and in fact understand where we have not done things well is more important than where we have done things really well. So thanks again for your help. I'm very happy to hand over now to our friend Richard Wally to give us a welcome to the country. I thank Peter. <laughs> 
So may good spirit keep us all safe here. Traditionally, of course, this is known as Buru, it's one of the many um, places where the swamps were around this, this region. It's a place of meeting and gathering and, and telling stories. Uh, so today, uh, I ask good spirit to watch over us in this sacred and spiritual place. And when it's completed, take us all safely home at the end of the day. I'm listening for Hassel to say, we've got a position that we want to offer. I'm listening for, we've got these projects and it'd be fantastic to have a project manager to come on as a cultural consultant, as a project manager. So, and I understand that the goodwill's there. There's nothing wrong with goodwill. It's our challenge to be able to present, but to be invited to present. Because we're not going to knock on doors and say, you need. But conversations like this are fantastic. Because this pricks the consciousness and saying, do Aboriginal people have strategic plans? We have strategic plans into our DNA system. Our plans start before we're born. Our plan is such sophistication that you can't marry someone from your family to the six generations. That's genetics. The six seasons process we use from fertility, incubation, birth, childhood, adolescent, adults, is a strategic business plan. You talk about stuff before you put your, your pre-feasibilities. Into your pre-feasibilities, and once you get the tick off, that's your birth. Then you've got your contracts, adolescence. You built a childhood, built adolescence, up, functioning as adult. When you're fully functioning, you think about how you can reinvent your fertility. So we've had those structures in our DNA. And what we've done is we've been able to implement them over the normal strategic planning, but we've never been have the capacity to manage or oversee the implementation of that planning through the projects. We've always been the meandicans coming, please, can we participate? And there's always been gatekeepers between us and the decision makers. If you look at what any company or organisation builds, they build what they call a culture. We want to build a culture in our, our company. We want to build a culture in our operations. A culture is, is the interaction between the collective so that the collective have this feeling and not the dominant up the top saying, this is what I will, I will dictate what will happen. So to have a culture, you have to have a homogenous connect. Aboriginal people, we were the forerunners in developing that. We had a far greater culture today and in the past than any other society that ever existed. But that's not taken into the context of how do we incorporate into a, into a, into a body or a business or an organisation. That culture is integrated, is a sophisticated series of codes. Now, in the Western world, you understand the codes. Your engineering is based on codes. The strategic plans is based on codes. Critical paths are codes. We understand those, but our codes were existed up here. We did not put them down, so they were easy to interpret by others. You had to absorb the code. So the codes are alphabets of code. You learn the alphabet, you'll be able to write in them. But you can't take that alphabet in the English code, in the English alphabet. You can use the English words to write in French, but it's completely different. You try to translate that code into, the, into that other code. So what, what they're doing here is saying, Aboriginal people have one code. We don't. We have many interpretations too. So don't expect a Yamiji or a Nyunga or a Wanga or a Narama 
to understand the same writing. We may have the same letters, but it's a different interpretation and pronunciation. It is specific. So no disrespect to people in Perth. This is Wajagburli country. It may be the capital for the state, but it always starts as Buru. And you can't change that. Karen Jacobs, owner of Indigenous Economic Solutions. Because Perth is completely encompassed within one language group, which is really significant. You can go to some of the other capital cities around Australia and there's often two language groups that are encroaching on, on the capital city. So that causes some real friction then as to who do you listen to? But, um, and who has the strongest voice? But here in Wajak country, it's about portraying what is significant about Wajak people and Wajak country and Wajak practices and Wajak principles um, that are really quite significant within here. And plus, we had the, the ancient city, which sits right here, called Borlu. You know, and I often say that what we're doing today has only evolved what our practice was for thousands of years prior to colonisation. So um, the, it's, it's just understanding the significance of that and not asking us to compromise on certain projects. We understand that the museum has to portray a lot of stories, a lot of stories, a lot of histories, and that's what it's about. And we understand there are layers in history as well that need to be presented. We're not against that and looking at the paradigms and also bringing other people's story in because that's what we know that a museum is all about. But there are other significant projects where we're being dictated to that we have to compromise and take into consideration how this links to other parts of the state. So that, that becomes really, I mean, all of a sudden we just switch off and actually don't want to be in the room. Peter Dean, design principle of hustle. Yeah, I mean, it's a real challenge. We faced that on the stadium. You know, in terms of it's very much was overtly a Wajit country. Everybody fully understood that. But I mean, it was a statewide project and the brief was to reflect all of West Australia. Architecturally, landscape-wise, we think we kind of visually kind of did that. But there were mistakes. It's unfortunate, but I think we learned from that process in terms of actually how you actually get I mean, We went through what you thought was the right process. But it's difficult to get it right every time. You're never going to get it right 100% of the time. Yeah. Yeah, I think the risk is now not doing it. You yeah. Know, yeah. In the, I've only been here less than 20 years, but, you know, it's changed. It, it was originally perceived to be a risk to engage. Now I think it's absolutely the opposite way around. If you don't engage, it was like you're going to lose out. Hold up the process. I'm Carol Innes, and I'm currently working at UWA with the Centre for Social Impact um, and co chair of Reconciliation WA. You need to understand the journey of what you want the engagement to be as well. When you write a brief that has to include Aboriginal people to have a connect or a sense of place, they need to understand what the sense of place is themselves. And you know, even when you're bringing internationals into our place, they need to be informed about our place and understand that as well. I think that's what we've got to look at is um, sometimes we are bringing people together in a conversation to make the meeting more focused before we even get to the meeting, mm. you know, so that people are feeling a lot of that. Um, so, so the untold story in a lot of this stuff as well, it's not just who builds um, and how you build it, but when you win this, well, what have been your learning journey from working with Aboriginal people? That's what we've got to see, the better part of that. You know, this city and this place shut us all out.
what you create as an organisation has got to be something that pushes the boundaries everywhere. Think about all the things you've done. How did you get to that point? What do you need to do better? You know, when you're talking about this rap conversation. Um, and who needs this? Not just the people working on the bid, on the project. What does your organisation need? You know, that's the other part of this conversation too, is what does the organisation need? What do we need to do to shake this foundation to ensure that um, Aboriginal people are stories can be told and um, what, most of the buildings over the last few years there's been a big change in how we recognise that so you know building in that space that the cultural um, practice stuff has come very powerfully through what we've been doing um, and Richard's been involved with a lot of the Karen has been involved with a lot of you know that um, you know the cleansing of the land before building's done all of that has become a part of the process so don't forget that make those a part of the journey if we are open to that cultural practice of cleansing country, you know, having that, it's, it's a really important journey because if I think about where they all were, those those sites and those these places that we're in, it's healing the building of the part of the hurt and things. So that makes make that a big part of your um, uh, attribution to that. I mean, when we did um, the Wirren statue, that was very powerful. This young fellow, and I, I didn't realise that he was, he was Aboriginal, but he had tears in his eyes um, around the process. And I'll never forget that because it was like he was letting go of something because they, they made it, you see. And But, you know, people think, oh, that's for the project. But what they, all of them stood around it and didn't want And then when we get to, uh, like, the Doric people who built with Yagan, because they went through a cultural awareness training, so all the people went through cultural awareness. Um, the day that it got delivered to Cider, coming off on the crane, and we were all on one point with the fire going, and that's what you see this movement of high-vis people just making their way to a very visible space to see it all happen. They were all out, didn't they? They all came out and they were standing in this, like, just watching this happen off the crane and in, and there's a smoking that was done. That. So I think that's, when I talk about the, the rap and the journey, you're investing in the people. It's the people change for this stuff. It's, um, and giving opportunities to our mob is, is a big part of this. Um, and and it's more than just your project. It's if you can bring, you know, getting staff in at any point. You know, that's, that's what we want to see. Steve Wilson, I'm heading up the um, one the Esplanade project down at Elizabeth Quay for Chevron. Our first meeting, I think, was one of our most significant meetings, Carol, where I distinctly remember Carol saying, Steve, this is not about artwork, this is about respect. And I went away from that meeting and um, really thought about that a lot. And I think that everything that we're talking about here we're not doing this because we want to um, tick a box or it is about respect and it's and if it's about respect then that means the outcome can be a whole range of things right it's not about artwork it's not about landscape design it's not about um, you know calling your meeting rooms Aboriginal names or whatever it's actually about a whole process of respect. You're already blessed. 
you're blessed because you, you've got people who've got outcomes. So you've already got outcomes that you can measure. So hassles have got outcomes. You don't need a rap to say that we're going to improve what we're doing. You want to reflect on what you're already doing and share that with everyone else. But the challenge with hassles and your internal challenge say, how far up the decision line can we get Aboriginal people? Because this is going to be good business for us in the future. And, and, uh, and whether that's um, traineeships, mentorships, they become very important. Please carry on the conversation. That's been great to share. Thank you. Thank you. Hassel will be sharing more about our wrap as well as other stories from the projects in upcoming episodes. Thanks to all our guests, in particular, Dr. Richard Wally, Carol Innes and Karen Jacobs, who shared personal insights with us today. Thanks also to Doug Pott, Abigail Humphreys and the team at Periscope Pitches for arranging and capturing the panel discussion for us to use internally and to share with you today.